Conforto slices one the other way. Base hit. That ties the game. Alonso in. Baez digging for third. It's Conforto. Here comes Baez. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast, the newest Mets podcast brought to you by John Boy Media. This is episode 11. The date is September 13th, and I'm one of your co-hosts, Jolly Olive, a.k.a. Jack. You might know me as one or the other. And joining me today is the left-handed reliever. You probably know him well at this point if you've been with us for the whole ride. It's Jerry Blevins. And Jerry, we got some exciting baseball to talk about today. Yeah, I am so excited. You you got to live it live. I got to experience it from afar watching on TV. I'll tell you this, though, as great as they did on the broadcast with the tributes, I missed, you know, I missed the SNY booth. Oh, dude, I know. It really does suck that Gary, Keith and Ron got deprived of basically the two best games of the year, even though we didn't win one of them. The, the truth is normally I would switch over and listen to the radio broadcast um and listen to Howie and Wayne you know Howie's not feeling great he's under the weather just had a medical procedure which is a whole different thing uh send my best to Howie Rose uh but I just had to watch I actually like Joe Buck I don't mind Joe Buck I really don't but uh but it's you know I wanted to 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 hear what the complaints were going to be about and uh, I understand so but it was really really a beautiful weekend of baseball wonderful Mets baseball um pure fire tell me tell me what it was like being, you know, there. Yeah. I mean, so I got a text the day before from good old Jim, AKA John boy, shout out to him. And uh, he said, you want to go to the game? And I said, of course, are you kidding me? Obviously uh, we get there we got to meet a bunch of fans, which was awesome. A lot of Shea station listeners, which was a pleasant surprise. Cause you know, we're relatively new. You were at, this was yesterday's game. Yeah. As I game three. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Yep. And then uh, we were uh, on the left field side and you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing to watch a game with friends, but be the only one rooting for a certain team where everybody else is rooting for the other team, especially when your team wins in dramatic fashion. Cause you're, I'm jumping up, I'm screaming, I'm high-fiving people. I don't know. And I turn around and I see a line of people that are, they just want to die. They look like they have death in their <laughs> eyes and I turn and I'm like, Oh, I maybe should I not be celebrating? But I'm like, wait, no, Lindor hit three home runs. I should be celebrating. So I had to deal with that conflict all night. They were very understanding though. A bunch of them told me they were happy only for me, which I appreciated. Uh, but oh, it was such a blast. Probably the best game I've ever been to. And I've been to a couple playoff games too. Both of those were losses, sadly. But um, I'm hoping maybe we can see a playoff game this year and I can go to that instead. But yeah, this was probably the best game I've seen in person for sure. And that stadium was loud. Man, I, the environment just uh, came through the TV. I could feel it. Um, you could see it. You could see the effect it had on the players. It, like it just elevated everything. This is that that was like quintessential New York baseball. Like whether it was a subway series or a big, you know, the 9-11 weekend. Um, but you could just feel it. There's moments in in New York sports history. You know, we had opening day a couple of years where you, it's just you. It's just sitting so high. The adrenaline. It you can't help but feel that elevated status, and that's. Uh, that's one of those moments as a player where you just you just feel so blessed to be in an environment that's like that, where there's just so many people that feel it and you elevate your game accordingly. And, and the Mets definitely did that. It was it was pure entertainment. Absolutely. And I'm glad it was one of these roller coaster games that was just exciting from start to finish, because that was a four and a half hour slog. That was a long game. Those two games. And it started at eight. And like... it started at eight. That was ridiculous. <laughs> I got a bedtime, man. What's going on? 
Yeah, but game two and game three were both the longest games in Subway Series history. They broke the record one after the other, which I thought was pretty interesting. So I guess we'll just kind of jump in with the first game here, which I kind of honestly forgot about with how exciting the last two games have been. Uh, Even though this was a great win for the Mets in the first place, they won the first game 10 to three. Tyler McGill was a really big standout performance for me here, especially because our starting pitchers haven't been having such dominant performances lately. He kind of stumbled in the first two innings, and then he just settled in real nice after that Gallo home run. Uh, Seven innings, two run runs, 10 strikeouts, four hits, one walk. He set career highs for innings pitched and strikeouts in a start. So that was a big moment for him because he's been struggling recently. This is the most he's pitched in his career. So you really didn't expect this kind of outing to come out of uh, out of him, out of the blue, really, against a pretty good potent Yankees lineup. So that was awesome to see. Um, we were tied at one after the first, uh, but then Gary Sanchez uh, failed to tag Jonathan VR on a, a single to left field that he probably shouldn't have been waved home on. But Gary kind of caught it, just stepped out of the way and tried to do a, an Olay tag, and it really just didn't work. I, I still can't really explain it. I think that play has gotten kind of swept under the rug because of everything that happened after. So good for Gary in that regard, I guess. Uh, but the Mets would put up five in the third inning on some more poor Yankees play. This one was just kind of an ugly game to watch, and it was I kind of felt bad for Yankees fans a little bit here and there in this game mcneil had a really beautiful bunt hit which i love i i yelled for that because he's been struggling and that was like a perfect bunt in a key spot that caught everyone off guard which i thought was awesome and then james mccann who really looked like he's figuring out how to lift the ball again had a big two-run double in this game javi Baez went three for four lindor added his first home run of many and it was multi-hit games for vr conforto and mcneil the mets wrapped this one up pretty easy 10 to 3 headed into the next day which was the 9-11 tribute game yeah, I just want to shout out McGill right there. He he really stepped up, and it was a shining moment for him because he's kind of had a little bit of unevenness towards the end. Like you said, this is his most innings he's ever thrown, and this is this is a part of the season that you can't prepare for because you just don't do it when you're in the minor leagues. This is all brand new for him, and you're in a you're in a hunt, so everything feels even more on edge. Every single pitch he throws is high leverage because it, the season hangs in the balance, and for him to step up, go seven which is huge punch out 10, one walk. I I was super impressed by him. So um, that brings us into the game on Saturday, game two, 9-11. First of all, what a wonderful tribute. Just an overall unbelievable production, uh, full of emotion. They had some some of the Mets that that were a part of the game. Just just wonderful. So uh, shout out to the the Mets organization for doing that and for the Fox broadcast. They did a wonderful job. Taiwan Walker takes the mound. Uh, let's just jump right into the second inning. It was that was the the big implosion. Um, he gives up three homers in the inning, two big two run homers, and then then capped off with a solo shot from Judge. And that that hickey home run, it looked like the ball was like at his eyes, and he somehow just connected. It wasn't wasn't a bad pitch, and and from a guy that doesn't hit many home runs, he had a big hickey home run two run shot. Then Garters, who struggled this year, hit a big two run home run, and then Judge, who hits many home runs at all points, uh, jumped out to a five run lead. Big for me though, in the bottom of the second inning, the Mets answered. The Mets answered with three. Uh, just a, a wonderful run. Started with a hobby walk. Kevin Pilar had a big double, RBI double. McCann, who continued just an absolutely splendid weekend, had an RBI triple. And then Taiwan Walker uh, helped out his own cause with an RBI single. Lefty Walker, man. Taiwan Walker doing it. Looked good doing it, too. Didn't look like he, he lucked into it. He, he did it. So that was a big answer for me. That shows some heart, some fight, some grit. Uh, Taiwan Walker goes 12 straight. Six innings, uh, gives up those five runs all in the second inning. 
Uh, bottom of the third, Javi hits a big home run to make it 5-4, bad guys. And then in the bottom of the sixth inning, James McCann, who just seems to be all over the place, hits a huge two-run home run. Mets go up 6-5. to five. Um, Kevin Pillar adds another run in the bottom of the seventh, singling through, um, make it 7-5, good guys. And then comes the eighth, enter Trevor May, who has been wonderful since August 16th. He's gone 10 innings, given up only one run, but he didn't have it on, on Saturday. Um, gives up a single, a huge home run, and then another single that ties the ball game up uh, seven to seven. And then you bring in Aaron Loop, who does a wonderful job. Nobody on, or run, one run in, or two runs in, one runner on, gets a fly ball to right field, gives up a single first and second, gets a ground ball double play that, that Javi Baez kind of flat-footed throw, scores the go-ahead run for the Yankees. Uh, and they take the lead, um, and it just felt like this was a moment. They're up 8-7. In comes uh, Lindor Conforto after walks. Pete Alonso steps up to the plate in the bottom of the eighth inning. You know, it felt like one of those chances for a signature moment from, from Pete, 9-11 game, uh, and he flies out deep to the track in center field if i thought it was a homer off the bat i think everybody i think did. pete definitely thought he had everybody it. did including the yankees it just felt like one of those moments unfortunately it came up short and then in the bottom of the night there was another chance we felt like james mccann who's been absolutely lights out uh crushing the ball steps up in the bottom of the ninth and and i thought this was like okay piazza hit the big home run this might be mccann's moment uh and then he gets out so the the mets end up losing Kind of a heartbreaker here, 8-7. Um, the big fifth inning from Taiwan Walker. Uh, the, the, the defensive miscue from Javi Baez on that, that possible double play. But other than that, the offense showed fight. Uh, the bullpen came in and, you know, outside of Trevor, who's been great, really shut it down. Uh, but this was kind of a tough loss. Yeah, it was. And, like, every great game becomes a game of inches at some point where there was the inches to center field on Pete's fly ball or just Javi's throw going over the glove and stuff like that. The Mets played a good game here. Uh, it was fun to watch from beginning to end for me. Um, you obviously want to come away with the win here and like, you know, build momentum, but the Mets have just been a streaky series team in the first place. And that's why I didn't really feel discouraged going into this third game because I knew that they wouldn't have their feet swept out from under them. They'd come back ready to play again uh, because the Mets have dealt with a ton of heartbreaking losses this year. And uh, the 9-11 game, the Subway Series, it makes it no different for them. They This is a team of resiliency and just kind of fighting to stay at 500. So game three kind of set up a big moment for both of these teams. Both of these teams really needed this game. I, I think I think that was the you pointed out a difference. You said you didn't feel like it was over for us after we lost that that kind of like heartbreaker in game two. It didn't feel like that to me either. And I think that's the difference where when the, the Yankees kind of showed their their cards a little bit, it felt impactful. It felt like their season's kind of waning. And for us, like for the Mets, it felt like, look, we've been playing good baseball. We fought back. We had a, a really tough inning. We ended up taking the lead and and their big boppers hit a hit a a couple of big home runs in spots and, and it didn't feel like the end of the world. That, that was the difference for me. It really felt like the Mets are still playing good baseball. We're still alive and we're moving forward. So, right. Yeah. And you know, both teams skated into the series looking for wins. So like, you know, even if you lose a heartbreaker, you know, the, the mindset is still the same for both teams. And I think you had to treat it that way. 
so game three was the game that I was at. It was a ton of fun to watch. And I told everybody that was sitting with me from the get-go that Cookie was going to give up runs in the first inning because that's what Cookie does because we don't get him an opener for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but it was the same story again. A couple runs in the first inning, pretty ugly pitching. I think he went 25 pitches in the first. Uh, Jim and Jake and Dave were all feeling pretty optimistic, but I was like, hang on, it's Clark Schmidt. You never know. And I'm sure enough, the Mets get a run back in the bottom of the first cookie pretty much cruised after the first inning. Again, five innings pitch, two earned runs, three hits, four walks, five K's only one hit and one walk after the second inning. So he really just settled in for, I've never seen a pitcher uh, get stronger when he faces orders multiple times. I've, I've, I really haven't seen that in a long time. It's very perplexing to me. Um, but, you know, Cookie continues to get it done in his own way. So I, I got to respect it to, for at least a little bit, but maybe we should get him an opener. Uh, Lindor's three-run homer in the fourth off Clark Schmidt kind of spoiled the nice outing he was having. And that only happened because a Glaber error started the inning. So the Mets kind of got a gift there. All three of those runs pretty much unearned. Um, so the Mets jumped out four to two, but then Glaber kind of made up for it. He had a two-run homer of his own. That made it five to that came off familia who looked like he had a nice sinker going that game so i was shocked that glaber was able to get one over the fence there because that was a pretty decently hit ball i mean you could probably see it better on tv right yeah i mean it wasn't it wasn't a terrible pitch he, he went and got it man it, just like you, you talked about the higgy home run off taiwan in game two these are like that ball was not an easy pitch to hit for a home run and familia is not an easy guy to get the ball up on exactly yeah you gotta tip your cap sometimes Yep. And then uh, Lindor, you know, he came back with another solo shot. That one was uh, to center field. That made it six to four. He was actually jawing at uh, Glaber a little bit when he was trotting around the bases, doing a little bit of a, a whistle sign. And uh, I had not heard anything about this until Jim and Jake kind of gave me the rundown while we were watching the game. And it was good that they gave me the context because this definitely escalated into something else entirely because Stanton's two run homer off Brad hand the following inning in the seventh would tie the game. I'm not sure why we pitched uh, to Stanton, with the base open and two out, um, but we did, and we would have had lefty lefty. But I, I want to. I'll let you do the recap, but I want to. I want to go back and visit the Brad Hand approach. We we can. We're going to expand on this moment a lot. Good. For, for the benches clearing and Brad Hand's pitching and all that. So we'll come back to this. The two run homer tied it uh, six to six there, and then unbelievably, uh, Lindor versus Chad Green again, reminiscent of Lindor's grand slam in the ALDS a couple of years ago in the playoffs. He homers off Chad Green a third time in the game. It gave the Mets a seven to six lead. That place was the loudest area I think I've ever been in in my uh, my entire life. Um, it was ear piercingly loud, and of course, I was contributing to it as well. I'm surprised I have a voice to do the I was today. fully prepared to 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 handle this the lead here because I figured you would you're you would be hoarse now I drank I drank a little bit of tea this morning which is not the <laughs> usual thing for me but I was like I gotta find a way to power through this that's a pro man pro move Exactly. So Lindor hots Chad Green again. And then Diaz, of course, he's been in a rough go of things lately, but he's much better at home than he is away. And this was the biggest spot for Diaz all year. This was a game you cannot blow. Uh, I really didn't want this game to go over five hours because I wanted to get home for sure with a Mets win. He let runners get on second to third uh, with a couple walks and a pass ball, but then Fittingly so, Giancarlo Stanton hits a soft liner right to Francisco Lindor. That ends the game. The Mets win 7-6. to six. They win this Subway Series, and they win the season series against the Yankees 4-2. to two. Uh, And overall, just a fantastic win to build momentum into a very important week for the Mets. But first, before we get into any of that, let's go back to the seventh inning because that's where a lot of the action happened in this game. So I want to hear your take on the Brad Hand inning for sure. Yeah, so, so Brad Hand comes into the game, and uh, there's a big spot. He's got a base open at first. He's got Joey Gallo on deck um, that he has struck out 
numerous times in his career. So he knows what the lineup is. Uh, and Stanton comes to the plate. So instead of intentionally walking from Louis Rojas, which a lot of people on Twitter were yelling about, why doesn't Louis make a move here? Well, I understand that thought process because he should be walked. But in this kind of situation, you have Brad Hand, who's a very experienced, very good reliever, should understand coming in like, hey, John Carlos Stanton swings and misses a lot. So if I can get him to chase one early, maybe I can squeak out uh, an easy strikeout here. Um, what you do is use that, that nasty slider he has, throw a couple in the dirt, trusting your catcher who knows the situation too is going to expect something completely out of the strike zone. Um, and either set up this far outside and the, and the other on a fastball or just be prepared to box something up and block it and keep it in front of you. And so instead, he decided to throw a fastball. It was supposed to be out, a way off, and he throws it, and he pulls it, and it yanks it in, and Stanton hits this huge homer. So there's a couple of things here. I don't blame Louis Rojas for not walking him intentionally because you have to trust your players to understand the situation. I, I wouldn't know that. I'm sure my catcher would annoyingly be like, hey, let's be smart here. Let's bounce some breaking balls or point out to me. And he'll set up like an obnoxiously far off the, the, the strike out of the strike zone. And so he made a, a mental error by not just completely avoiding him because you didn't have to attack him because you had a base open and then you can go after Gallo. It was unnecessary for him to throw anything, a big mental error from Brad Hand. I don't blame Louis Rojas for it. Um, I think McCann could have come out and talked to him beforehand or just made sure because this he's new to the team. Just be like, look, look who's on deck. Let's just pitch around him. Yeah, I think you got to know in that situation, especially because uh, Hand brushed him back with, like, you know, a kind of high and tight fastball. I thought he was going to bury a slider right after that, see if he can get a, a swing and miss or something. I was a little bit worried about that fastball, too, because if you, you brush him back and then you, you've you seen what happens when you piss a guy that big off, sometimes he gets angry. And so after that, you either just go, all right, all right, I don't have it. I don't know where I'm throwing the ball. Let's just put him on first base yourself. Just be like, go. Uh, or you just bounce a couple of breaking balls to see if he swings, give yourself two pitches to see if he goes after it because he swung at some really bad pitches before in his career. And if he does, if he goes fishing, you can try to attack him then and, and get him to keep chasing. And if he doesn't just put him on just a couple of testers. And, and unfortunately he didn't do that. Um, thank goodness for, for the Mets coming back because this is going to kind of get brushed under. Um, but that's got to, that, that's got to be, a mental lapse that he has to be talked about and he should, he should understand moving forward to have a little bit more knowledge because he's not the closer anymore. He doesn't have to go after anybody. Uh, he hasn't had the most dominant season and like he has in years past, you have to understand the situation and be like, look, I, I swallow my ego here and put a guy on that. I don't need to face. It's it's, it's it was a big miss. It was a, a pivotal point in the game and it, it could have ended, you know, a series win for the Mets with a series loss. So um, the Mets fought back, but, but that was a big mistake for me. I, yeah. I thought that he came in in a spot that was right for him, honestly, uh, considering where we were in the order. I thought that we were going to see Gallo versus him probably with a, with a force play, just make it a little bit easier on the infield. Uh, but yeah, I think it was either just him missing a spot or wanting to challenge a guy that maybe he used to be able to beat and can't anymore, but you gotta, you know, you gotta pitch around him there. It's John Carlos saying he's the hottest hitter on the Yankees for sure. Um, and this kind of led into a, a big altercation, which I thought was pretty interesting, kind of reignited the fire of the Subway Series, because as Stanton's rounding the bases, 
he jaws at Lindor the way that Lindor jawed at Glaber. And it's a lot of whistling motions and the bench is clear. And uh, for a person who wasn't filled in on everything, this was a very confusing environment to be in uh, for fans because not a lot not a lot of us uh, knew what, we're, what was going on. There were like fans fighting in the stands and there was players fighting on the field. So it's like, what's going on here? Apparently, uh, the Yankees were whistling uh, against the against Taiwan Walker allegedly. when he was pitch. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Sure. Apparently, when Taiwan Walker was pitching, he was tipping his pitches, and the Yankees were whistling allegedly to signal uh, whatever pitch was being thrown. Uh, Lindor came in, I think, and uh, told him VR. VR was, was VR, their initiator. He, he heard something strange. He walked up to to the mound and just made it aware, which is super pro. That's what you want. If you're whether or not your your guys see you tipping pitches or you think something fishy is going on, that's that's a mound visit. That's perfect. That's exactly what should happen. And the only reason I buy the legitimacy of this all is because Walker would go on to retire 16 in a row after that mound visit from VR. That's truly where he settled in for the rest of the night. So it's a little fishy. Uh, the Yankees got called out on it. Apparently, Lindor called Stanton out. Stanton called out the Mets for complaining about it. It was this whole thing and. It's a little silly, but also it's really fun to see crosstown rivals kind of bicker like that and make the game more intense than it already was. So from a spectator standpoint, it was awesome. Like I have no problem with it happening because no one got hurt. Uh, and in a couple of days, it'll be forgotten. But for that moment, it made that game magnified like 10 times over. It, it truly did. It was, it was a, and, and I, I'm okay with both sides of it. I'm okay. So Taiwan Walker must've been tipping his pitches big time, right? So they had him. Um, if they're whistling in from the dugout because they can see something on the field, I'm actually okay with that. If I'm pitching and I'm obviously tipping my pitches, they're not stealing signs. They're not watching video. They're not, you know, relaying something secret. If I'm so obvious because it's, you know, whether I'm fanning my glove out or it's the way I'm bringing my, my hand to my chin, if they're actually relaying that, that's my fault. I see that. I understand the other side of it too, to where, you know, if you're not picking it up at the plate or if it's not being signed stolen from second base or runner on second and I, I don't have a tough enough sequence, I can see how relaying it would piss the Mets off. I'm okay with both ends. I think it's on Taiwan Walker to fix it. And I think Jonathan VR walking up to him and simply acknowledging it puts enough doubt in the Yankees lineup that, hey, maybe he, he get, he, we, they told him what he was doing and he might not be doing it. So they didn't know for sure. That little bit of doubt switches the whole thing because you don't have confidence that you know what's going on. Either way, I like the fight that Lindor showed by jawing because he says, hey, you're not going to do that to my guy. Even though I'm, I'm okay with it, I like his fire protecting his guys. And I love Stanton's side of it. Stanton says, hey, if you're going to talk, you better have some proof. You better shut your mouth. Uh, come at it. And then Lindor, I think, did a great job of covering it in his post game because he's like, look, I don't have set proof, so I'm not going to accuse anybody. I saw something that I thought was fishy, and I'm going to point it out. I'm going to protect my guys. So it was classy on all ends. Nothing happened that, that went too far. Both teams stuck up for themselves. It was wonderful. It was drama in the highest form, and I loved it. Yeah, man, I think it fueled the game. It made it feel like a playoff game. And you know what? Lindor seemed like he thrived in that environment. And this will be the Francisco Lindor game for sure uh, for, for years to come. Sort of like his his birth as a tr as a true Met here. He he signed his name on this game for sure. He really did. Yeah, man. Like he really did. He was the face of this game uh, from all angles, pretty much. 
Uh, so that was awesome to see because, you know, you're kind of waiting for this big signature moment. And I know that's kind of a broadcast cliche, but truly this, I was waiting for a Francisco Lindor signature moment forever. Well, there, there have been, there have been moments in the recent past where you're like, once he came off the deal, we're like, Ooh, this is such a big at bat that uh, they can swing the momentum of a season. And I think, you know, last night's three home run game and a series win and the Yankees, and we still are in it and very much so in it. We're playing better baseball. Like, this could be that moment, you know, it might be too little too late for the overall season, but it was definitely a push in the right direction in a big way. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself here because this will be a long time off season discussion, but if games like this don't make hobby bias want to stay in New York, I don't think anything will. Cause that, that tandem of them, you know, doing the little chirp motion and walking towards that fight together, that looked like a duo I want to see for many years to come. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I like those two together. I think they they balance each other out and they push in the right way. I would love to see them in New York for a long time. Again, too far ahead. And I, I have no idea what kind of dollars they're going to demand uh, out of Baez. But it, it was it's purely entertaining. Those two definitely have each other's back and, and rightfully so. And I, I, I enjoyed all of it. Nobody got out of line. Nobody tried to be too tough. It wasn't false bravado. It was two guys representing what they believed in and in a proper way. Like, uh, I loved it. Well, speaking of uh, our guy, Javi Baez, actually the Shea station merch line actually has a fantastic El Mago shirt right now that you can go check out along with some other awesome Shea station merch at shop.johnboymedia.com. If you're watching on YouTube, you know that me and Jerry are rocking our Shea station merch today. Very comfy. Looks good. I love the blue on you, by the way. I think that's. Like oh, thank you. Blue. It's a color like this, the JM Apple. Uh, I saw it on the designs. I was like, man, I got to have it. I literally, and it's so comfy. It's one of those t-shirts where you buy it and you're, you're a little worried. You know, if you buy something off the internet, you don't know how it's going to feel. Uh, this is a top-notch quality t-shirt. So I'm pumped to, to wear it. Yeah, so uh, John, the John Boy Media merch store has a bunch of uh, essentials that you got to go check out. They got new tie-dye hoodies, pocket tees, dad hats, pretty much anything you can think of for all their different podcasts and different teams. We're also working on a Francisco Lindor whistle shirt, so definitely keep your eye out for that. That should be hitting the store pretty soon because our graphic designers are the best in the biz. They do an awesome job. Shout out uh, Blake and Matt there. Uh, but yeah, so obviously they're your favorite podcast, The Shea Station. We also got merch, and uh, we can help you out here because we have a promo code, believe it or not. We got our first promo code. Look at us, Jerry. We're I love it. I feel like I feel official. <laughs> so if you use code Shay at checkout, you can get 15% off your entire order. So again, go to shop.johnboymedia.com, click on the John Boy Essentials collection and use code Shay at checkout to get 15% off your entire order ad. Nice, dude. Look at us hitting the big I time. I mean, I feel I feel like a real pro, even <laughs> though it's our own company's ad. <laughs> we'll take it, man. We'll take I'm it. I'm for it. So we had plenty of key performances here uh, in the series, more offensive ones. The one pitching one for me was Tyler McGill for sure with the best start of his career, seven innings pitch, two and runs, 10 Ks. Awesome to see. I hope he could steady that momentum a little bit. The one that stood out to me, I don't know if you can count this as a key performance, but I definitely found it key in the team's performance in the second game was Pete Alonzo, who for being the face of New York in my mind, in some aspects, uh, went over 13 in a big subway series. He looked like he was making some hard contact here and there, especially on that uh, dead center fly ball that I thought was going out, but he ends up with an O four in this series. I, I feel like he's been great. He's been great all year. I think he's going to be just fine. I think I, I really kind of look like he felt the moment a little bit and he was pressing and, and when he didn't need to, he doesn't need to hit the ball 600 feet. He's strong enough 
Um, but that, this lineup showed so much balance, so much, so much pop in different places that we didn't need him to be his usual Pete self. So 0 for 13, but he really did. He was still a presence in the lineup. He wasn't an easy out by any means. He still made his presence felt, protected the guys around him. So you're allowed an 0 for, especially in a series win. So especially because a lot of other guys stepped it up, specifically James McCann. James McCann had three extra base hits in this series. I don't remember the last time he had extra base hits in consecutive games, but it's been a while. Uh, he went three for nine, collected six RBIs along with the home run, three walks. So he was doing it on all sides of the plate there. Uh, Lindor puts up a four for 10. All four hits are home runs, which is awesome because that puts his total up to 17. He might get 20 now. I didn't think 20 was even in the question, uh, but he has a huge series, four walks to go with that as well. And Javi Baez continues to do the damn thing in true Cespedes style. Uh, nine for 15 in this series, two homers, two doubles, four RBIs, two walks again. Javi's walking like consistently. That's so his, cool. his walks have led to runs as I well. I know. It's so interesting. He had three big stolen bases in this, and and he's just he's a good hitter. Like I I, I think his approach, like here, here's a quick breakdown of what I think his approach is. You have so many guys that check swing. You I don't think you'll ever see a check swing because he has decided. That if he's swinging, he doesn't care where the pitch is on when he decides to swing, he's just letting it rip. I think it might be a healthier approach than, you know, trying to, to stop it. Like, I don't know if he's guessing and deciding, All right, I'm going to, I'm swinging at this pitch no matter what. But I think as soon as he says yes, that trigger is pulled and he starts that whole thing. Uh, I love it. And so he, out of his hand, if he thinks it's going to be a strike, he swings. And if he thinks it's going to be a ball, you see him work. He, he works walks. He does it. Um, so it's not all guess. Yeah. I like, I'm sure that approach can be maddening for fans when it doesn't work, but the, frankly it's working right now. It just is. It's and working. you kind of have to enjoy it. I've seen him miss pitches by the most, the, the largest swing and miss I've ever seen in my life, but this guy is an incredible hitter. So I, I really think it's just, instead of like trying to check swing and, and, and hold it, he's just like, well, that's a strike and I'm cool with it. I like his, I like his approach. I like it a I lot. I think it's probably healthier for his hands, his wrist, his obliques, like his back and hips to just, you know, just let it eat, man. I just love watching him swing with one hand and sort of flick the bat, you know, how he does sometimes. And like, even when he does that, he's still hitting like 95 exit velocity ground balls like it's insane strong man because it's because he's committed he's committed to that swing at all times and so if he's swinging all of a sudden it's a little bit different he makes a subtle adjustment so i, I don't know for a fact that that's what he's deciding but since i uh since he came over i don't think i've seen a check swing i don't know how you look for that but i i've been paying attention and I'm, i haven't seen him try to check a swing yet and i trust your eye jer i trust it yeah now <laughs> don't do that <laughs> <laughs> well somehow some way through all of the ebbs and flows and ups and downs and disappointing play of this Mets season uh we're suddenly in the wild card race which I didn't think was ever going to be a factor I mean we're five games back of the division right now and the Braves continue to beat teams that they should beat and it kind of just looks like they have the east wrapped up now i know there have been larger leads blown with shorter amount of time but I really do think Atlanta has found their footing and I don't think they're, in my opinion, I don't think they're going to relinquish the Eastern crown. I agree. I agree with that, but it's not out of the, out of the picture yet. I wouldn't erase trying to win the East. That, that would be my target as a player still as a team. I'm looking to win the division because it's literally the, the, a better option. 
uh, if we fall into the wild card by by playing well, that's great. I wanted to make one note. Um, Edwin Diaz had a save, big save, huge one, but he didn't he didn't look like Edwin Diaz. So this is the one where last time I was talking about his pure stuff is just so electric. Like he sawed off Stanton at the end, let that ball run back a two seam up and into him, and just that weak pop up caused by a, just a shattered bat. But he he didn't throw any sliders really that were really good ones and I'm worried a little bit about about his slider about his mechanics something's off because in that at bat he's all he had to do once he was ahead was throw that slider that started on the plate away and ended up this far outside and 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 Stanton would have swung and missed it would have been no doubt an easy punch out big win but he didn't have comfort he didn't have the the he didn't have the confidence in his ability to do that. So he went to his fastball. I think that's a little bit worrisome because he didn't have his a stuff. And, and, but I also see it as an encouraging factor because he had confidence that he could still do the job and he, right. you, he trusted his stuff, let it rip, let that fastball fly. And it worked and, and a little worried again, moving forward, something I'm going to be paying attention to. Uh, hopefully he can lock it back in. He's been, He's been throwing a lot like all those guys have been. So maybe it's just a little bit of a little bit of fatigue, um, but it's something to pay attention to. I will. Yeah. And I will say, well, for the first thing being, if Diaz had been consistently good headed into this game, I don't think I would be as worried because that was a crazy atmosphere. And like, you know what jitters, they make sense there, but because he's been, you know, sort of streaking badly into that. It was definitely concerning. I will say he did throw a nice slider against Guardy to get a strikeout there. So with those two walks, he did get two strikeouts as well. It's just getting it on a consistent basis. It didn't look like he always had the confidence in throwing his secondary pitches. And, you know, his fastball can be erratic as hell. So, like, you're obviously not going to be too confident in that as well. Um, and for me, uh, I, I kind of stole this from Twitter a little bit, but when I see Edwin Diaz throw his first pitch and it's a ball, I immediately start worrying for the rest of the year. I think if he gets ahead of hitters, he becomes somewhat, and you could say this for any pitcher really, but with Edwin Diaz's stuff, if he can get ahead of a hitter early, he becomes so much more powerful. There's so much more opportunity in his hand with uh, what he's able to do. I'm not, I'm not throwing, you know, doubt on Edwin Diaz and his stuff, but it's something that I'm going to pay attention to next time he comes out is if he can, put that slider, you know, glove side away from a righty and, and throw it from a, a strike to a ball, which is important because those are his swings and misses. I would watch a Jerry Blevins, Edwin Diaz analysis. I would break that down. I would. I think that would be great for the, for the a YouTube breakdown. channel. Ooh, a breakdown. Yeah, we should coin that. Did we, did we just trademark that? I think that's ours. <laughs> that's pretty good. Oh, it's us. We did it. We came up with that. Yeah. So uh, through all this, through the, uh, incredibly stressful win yesterday the Mets are three games back of the wild card uh they're right in the thick of things and this week uh, I know we've talked about a lot about uh important stretches for the Mets trying to build up ground uh these are not easy teams to beat but these are teams that are right in front of the Mets in the wild card race they have three with the Cardinals and then three with the Phillies and all six are at home which is good for the Mets because they are a very good home team uh the Reds and Padres have been kind of skidding really they haven't been playing good baseball haven't been scoring a lot of runs so they continue to slide down and make this second wild card spot pretty accessible for the Mets so this is a huge week for sure this is this is a big series this is a an emotional one where we're, we're coming off a high of a the 9-11 series huge crowds very very emotional games big series wins we got to make sure that this veteran team comes forth and reestablishes it right away in the clubhouse that this is a big series too 
reset. Don't worry about all the highs of, of the last series. And you got to push forward. This is, this is a veteran team in the Cardinals that, that know what's going on. They can maximize on mistakes. Um, so they got to lock it right back in. And, and that's what the, I expect to see from such a professional group of, of Mets players. And this is what leadership looks like. And it should be a fun series. Yeah, so the Mets have the opportunity to leapfrog two, maybe more spots uh, in those standings. Uh, uh, but the Cardinals, they came off a four-game set with the Dodgers that they split, and then they they faced a pretty decently hot Cubs team, uh, surprisingly. So uh, that's uh, that that's what they had headed into this series. Uh, and then the Phillies have been skidding, really, even though they've kind of had an easy go of things. They had to play the Brewers. Uh, they lost two or three there, but then they lost three or four at home to the Rockies. So not too much. I, I don't know what's going on there in Philly. I think these are games they have to win, but it's good for us at the very least. So hopefully we're getting a Phillies team that's going to come in very cold in the city field and we can kind of get revenge for that sweep. This is this is there. a flash to the to that series. I'm going to treat Bryce Harper like I treat Juan Soto. It's don't let this guy beat you. Bryce Harper's putting together a possible another MVP type season. He's being overshadowed by a lot of guys because it's, you know, the Phillies are the Phillies and and whatever. But Harper doesn't beat us. That's that's going too far. We're still looking at the the Cardinals. Um, but you know you gotta you gotta peek ahead. So yeah, let's check out what we got going on for the Cardinals. Uh, game one is gonna be a toughie. Uh, I'll be at this game tonight as well. Believe it or not. Uh, yeah, there you go, dedicated fan. Uh, Rich Hill, who's had a nice string of starts. The last four starts, he's been pretty damn good. Uh, he's gonna go up against Adam Wainwright, who is basically a Mets supervillain at this point. Uh, somehow still in the league, somehow still cranking a sub three ERA. So good for Wayno, man. Seriously. He, he's, this is a battle of, uh, of the old men. I love it. I love to see it. It's a fun little matchup. Uh, Wainwright has had such a like uh, re- incredible year. Like I'm really excited to see it. I hope he gets his butt kicked today. Um, but, but he's put together a very impressive season. He's done one of those kind of CC Sabathia, you know, figure out how to pitch with lesser stuff to become a pitcher, kind of a lost start in today's game where guys just sometimes when you don't have it, you just get your butts kicked. Whereas Wayno was like, all right, this is what I have. How do I do this? And he's really putting together an incredible season. So it'll be good to, to see the Mets. I, they need to be really patient, especially on those curveballs. He's got a huge curveball, So that's something to pay attention to. Don't chase it, make them throw strikes and, and we'll see. Yeah, so the big thing for Wayno is he's going to go deep in the game. He's gone, uh, I think, seven or more in pretty much his last three or four starts. He went eight and a third one of his recent starts as well. Um, and Goldschmidt, Paul Goldschmidt, is uh, he's swinging a hot bat right now, and he bats really well against Rich Hill, 474 with a home run. Uh, Baez, who's been hot for us, not a great hitter against Wayno, 156 and 32 at-bats. Most of those obviously came as a cub. Um, but, yeah, so this is going to be a tough one to win. The Mets do have a lot of momentum going into this game, but Wainwright has been, you know, kind of a, a tough cookie for the Mets to crack pretty much the entire time he's been in the major leagues. That's kind of like one of those previews I talked about. Baez swings and misses a lot at, at balls out of the zone, and, and Wainwright understands that, and so he's going to throw a lot of pitches that look like strikes out of his hand. And that's why you need the guys in your lineup that can be patient, uh, the Pete Alonzo's, the Michael Conforto's that can wait, wait a guy out, make sure he throws strikes, um, yeah, this is going to be fun, man. This is going to be a good series. They, they've got a really good team. Uh, and so do we. So, yeah, this team is really started after a pretty bad first half. They're really starting to piece it together, uh, with some decent play against some tougher teams. And now they're kind of getting into an easier stretch here. So the Mets really need to kind of take out their momentum a little bit before they get to those easier teams. 
Uh, game two is going to be Marcus Stroman against Jake Woodford. Uh, neither team has a batter that's faced the pitcher more than 10 at bats. So it's going to be a game of unfamiliarity there, but Stro is coming off a really sharp start in Miami, six and a third, one in a run, seven case. He didn't get a win in that game. So the Mets unfortunately lost by one run because that's what we do. Uh, but Stro here for game two is very comforting against a younger guy in Jake Woodford. And I do like the probable for game three too. I'm feeling good about game two and game three. Because uh, Tyler McGill is going to take the bump again. And I think he's feeling real good after that Yankee start, uh, for sure. He's facing off against Lester, who's another one of those, you know, veteran guys, um, lefties, which is normally not our, our forte. But uh, Lindor is hitting a 308 with a homer off Lester, and Lester's not the same pitcher that he's, he's been in years past. And Tyler McGill is coming off just that seven-inning, ten-punch-out performance against the stout Yankees lineup. So we're looking for, for another series win. We got to take two out of three here. I don't care which order it gets. You know, there's, you, you've learned from your past mistakes of being like, this is the one we have to win. And this is, so you just want to see two out of three, you know, um, it's so cliche. And again, we just keep repeating ourselves, but win a series, man, we're doing it. We're fighting, you know, it's a fun time. It's a fun time to be a Mets fan. You, you, there's optimism, I listened to the Talking Yanks uh, a podcast last night. I listened to it this morning. The post game, yeah, yeah. I listened to their. They're on the other end of it. They're they're like, this is over. What are we doing? And they they made a lot of questionable moves, bringing in Heaney. Like what? That kind of worked out though. I couldn't believe it. It worked out for them, but it's not the right choice. No, like, not at it all. Worked out. You know, you got you've got sitting Stanton and Voigt in game one, like. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what the formula is, but it's not working. There's bad vibes on that side and good vibes on our side. Yeah. I mean, you talk about formulas, the Mets seem like they kind of have a winning formula right now. Uh, they think they figured out a, a solid batting order. I think Lindor's really getting this footing. And you mentioned left-handed started pitchers. The Mets are starting to hit left-handed started pitchers. We cut, we knocked around Jordan Montgomery, which I couldn't believe. I thought he was going to dominate us. Uh, so recently it's been much better. And I think these guys are just kind of figuring out, yeah, just overall. And I think it's ever since Baez was infused into this lineup because he kills lefties. And I think that's just kind of rubbed off on everybody. So I hope the Mets tee off on John Lester because they should. Uh, but yeah, this is a big series with the cards. And then it's a big series with the Phils right after. And you went four and four against the Nats and Marlins in those away games. Uh, you didn't win the latter series. And now you got to. I mean, I know we keep saying time's running out. And then somehow every time we come back, the Mets are still in kind of a playoff position. But, you know, we can't say it forever. You got like a couple a couple more weeks of the season left, and that's it. This is it. These are games. This is, you know, you can't you can't let these go. These are these are big time. Every game is is emphasized here a little a little bit bigger magnitude. And so you just got to keep playing your your brand of baseball. That's been really good. We've, we've been competitive. We've been playing pitching well, having big hits. So let's just keep moving forward. Keep trying to to win every single day and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, man. Well, it was on this day seven years ago, six years ago, six or seven. I can't do the math in my head. Not a math pod. Six. There you go. Uh, Daniel Murphy uh, in 2015 hit a game tying three run homer in the ninth of the first, after the first two hitters were retired against the Braves, the Mets were in the middle of their 2015 world series playoff push. And they scored three in the top of the 10th to beat the Braves 10 to seven. That's your today in Mets history. So kind of reminiscent of the position we're in right now, obviously those 2015 Mets had a full head of steam. We're already in a better spot than we are now, but you know, it's just, it's the same thing here. And I really relate this team to the 2016 team where they really didn't put it together until those last three weeks of the season. And then they got incredibly hot and went to the wild card game. So anything can happen really. Even you're a, 500 team you're basically starting with a clean slate here so just go out and be a winning team for the rest of the season that's all you can ask
a little hat tip to Daniel Murphy for that run. Absolutely. It was a big homer. He became a completely different hitter. Like this was his final transformation. He, he became a butterfly for the next like four or five years. So yeah, man, wonderful run. The Kevin Long effect. The K Long. He just decided, I think it was so strange. Like halfway through that season, you know, not even halfway towards the end of that season. He's like, I think I'm just going to try to hit home runs right now and just lift the ball. And I think that's a good like, idea. Oh. Yeah. Cause he, he's always a great, uh, Bat to ball contact hitter and hard to strike out, just a good hitter. And then he just started to add damage. Those doubles turned into homers. Was... I mean, Murph hit, Murph hit like seven homers in the playoffs, but I don't even think he eclipsed 20 in 2015. I think he really just kind of hit for power only really towards the last month. That, I think that was the key to kind of like the Mets not re-signing him because we're like, is this, is this who he is? Because you're going to have to pay him to be the guy he was in the playoffs. And we don't know if that was just a, you know, a flash in the pan or – and it wasn't. He went to Washington and second in MVP voting the very next year. And obviously hindsight's 2020 uh, and good for Murph for getting the bag. Uh, but yeah, that was a guy I think the Mets should have kept around. But that's a moot point. It's it's in the rear view. We're just dwelling at this point. Uh, but let's dwell a little bit more for our, you know, common jog and Jerry's memory. Always at the tail end ah. of the episode here. This one's a good one. Another nice little come from behind comeback win for us. It also kind of counts as a today in Mets history, too. Uh, September 13th, 2018, uh, the Mets were down three to two to the Marlins in the ninth and Jerry struck out the side in the top of the ninth against Miami kind of showing out, keeping the Mets in the game. Uh, and then Conforto and Todd Frazier hit back-to-back solo shots for a walk-off win four to three. I don't know if you remember this one. It's a few years ago at this point, 2018, kind of a forgettable season. Too. I try to forget 2018 as much as possible. That was my most difficult season as a pro. It was like a, a really weird, strange season in general i'm sure mets fans feel the same way about it it's kind of very forgettable um struggle but hey that's a bright spot striking out the side i'm, I'm for it yeah so that that was a nice little win there Those a w? yeah exactly but uh that was a tough season that yeah i mean did i get that might be like my last win ever i don't know if i got any in 19 you did get the something. win in that game yeah i don't know no you must have got a win in 19 right come on i don't know who knows you know I like that I can type in I type in Jay into Google and Jerry Blevins immediately. <laughs> well, so you're you're looking up Jog and Jerry's memory. I don't it didn't jog you got my one. memory. You got one. I got in one in nineteen. Who against who? Let me find it. Let me get that game. Logo. Oh, please. This is that live research, guys. That's what oh, this is this right. is the key. This is the stuff you sign on for. Yeah. You won a game on June 14th against the Phillies where you pitched one inning, walked two, and struck out one. You guys won nine to eight. I'm assuming it's a walk off. Yeah, the Braves put up three in the ninth. So you got the win there. Who'd you strike out? I want to say, let's see who you struck out. You struck out Bryce Harper. I was going to say, go, and I probably Jared. walked. I had to, I probably walked Reese Hoskins on purpose. Walked Gene Segura. And you did walk. Yep. And you walked Reese Hoskins right after. Yeah. Yep. Segura was probably an accident. And then Reese Hoskins is probably an act or, uh, Segura an accident, Hoskins on purpose. Well, that's a little, you know, we're talking about the Brad Hand situation, but, you know, you, I pick my poison, especially at that point in my career. It was like, all right, I'll, I'll attack who I, I feel stronger against. Yeah, you felt stronger against Jay Bruce. JT Rumito is still third on you, kind of dirty. That's that's cheating. Yeah, it's a little cheating because you're lefty. That's not even fair. Come on. Yeah. You can have it. If, you're, if that's what you want, JT, if you needed that to, to sign your contract, you're welcome. 
All right, man. That was a that was a fun little excited episode there. But I'm I'm hoping we're just as excited later in the week here. Like after this card series. I feel like your presence in City Field, who it's just rocking, might be a great thing. Let's let's keep it going. Just saying. Six who are you one. going? Are you going to the game with more Yankees fans? Or no, what? tonight I'm taking uh, my lovely lady, uh, but she is a Yankees fan, but she's not a huge baseball fan, so I'm going to make her wear some Mets. Good. Game. I was going to say, give her give her some some job. Oh, she'll be game. she'll be wearing a Shea Station. Give her some shirt. merch. Hell I yeah. love it. There you go. So yeah, she'll be rocking that exactly. Be a man. Be a man and female of the of the people. Go check out the John Boy Media Shop, guys. There's some heat there. Just saying. What's the what's the what's the code? Promo code Shea, fifteen percent off. There you go. Just saying. Boom. Uh, so thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we will see you again on Thursday when the Mets have their off day. First off day in a while for them, uh, and I think probably the last of the season, or I think second to last or something like that. But yeah, big series coming up. Wayno tonight. So hopefully the Mets can get the jump on him, put together some wins, and gain some ground. That's all you can really ask. Well, thank you for tuning in. I am Jerry Blevins. I'm Jolly Olive, a.k.a. Jack. And let's go Mets. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. Get there for a call strike three.